What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? Man, it is so good. So good to see you today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching live right now online via the interwebs. And of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, North Campus, South Campus online, we love you. And we're so glad that you're here watching with us today. And the best way that we can tell you thank you is by clapping for you. So come on, somebody. Will you clap for that person sitting next to you and just welcome them? So glad that you're here. All right, well, we have been in a series called Follow the last several weeks, and we have just been capturing what I feel like are some of the most fundamental and important foundational principles of Christianity, really. This has been one of those series that everybody needs to go through to understand really what this whole thing is about. And so uh, today, we are wrapping it all up, okay? So this is kind of like graduation. This is kind of like commencement, all right? This is kind of like the celebration, a culmination of, of all things Christianity. We're finished. We're crossing the finish line. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and uh, we've covered a lot of the basics, and I just want to recap those really, really quick. We've talked about how Christianity has to involve humility. So humility is one of those things that, that has to be a part of Christianity. We talked about be, having a lot of faith. We talked about being all in. We talked about serving. And then last week we talked about having faith in the midst of disappointing circumstances and situations. And so all of them really work together in, in, in building someone who is a true follower of Jesus. And that's the idea that we've really been unpacking as a church. We've been talking about how Jesus... He's on this very important mission, right? There's no, there's no mission greater than redeeming mankind. He shows up, he's on this mission, and he's getting his group together. He's getting his posse, he's getting his, his, uh, his Navy SEALs together who are going to go fulfill this mission. And he doesn't tell them, like, I need you to preach. He doesn't tell them, I need you to heal the sick. He doesn't tell them, I need you to build an ark or anything like that. What he just does... He just does. He says, I just want you to follow me. He just says, I want you to follow me. It's very simple. And that's what's so beautiful about Christianity. Christianity is, is not like anything else. Christianity is from the inside out. Can I get an amen? Christianity is about experiencing change and then about acting on that change. God never appeals to the hand before he appeals to the heart. He will always change our heart. That's what he's after. God's not after all of the periphery. He's after your heart. He's after something way deeper, way more significant, way, way more important than, than what we do. He's after who we are. And then what's cool about Christianity is who we are, I'm sorry, what we do is a, an outflow of who we are. And that's what follow me is all about, okay? Jesus says, follow me. And then he changes us. Now, now that's what we're saying every week, right? I've been saying that exact phrase every week. He doesn't, he doesn't ask us to do all these things. He just asks us to follow him. But now what he's going to ask us to do is all of these things. So now it's graduation. Now he's saying, all right, you've been following me. Now I need you to go. Now I need you to go and bring everything you've learned and experienced to a lost and hurting world. Follow me turns into go and lead. All right, so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is going to be our idea for, for the message today. We're going to call it go time, all right? So it's go time. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's saying it's, it's go time. Now, 
it's go time is a, is a fun phrase to say. It's usually a phrase that, like, you know, when I'm going to get to business, all right, I'm going to knock out this project, be like, all right, it's go time, or I got to finish this paper, it's go time, or I got to do my taxes, oh, come on, somebody, they're due tomorrow. You're like, man, you just ruined the service, Scott. It's go time, all right? You get, you, it's go time. You, like, when you're getting ready to do something, it's go time. And usually, when a group of guys are together, and one of them says, it's go time, it's a very dangerous moment. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Like, usually, stupidity follows. <laughs> Not too long after that, when guys are like, yeah, it's go time, it's go time. Something dumb is about to happen. Because <laughs> that's just what guys are capable of. Uh, and it reminds me of... Uh, a Seinfeld episode uh, with a guy named Izzy Mandelbaum. Do you guys ever remember Seinfeld's long time ago? And there's this guy named Izzy Mandelbaum. He was like this 80-year-old guy, and he kept trying to one-up Jerry. Does anybody remember this? It was so funny. Google it. It'll bless you. But it's, 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 it's the story of the guy who likes to one-up. Do you guys know that guy? Have you ever met that guy who likes to one-up? Like you're telling a story. And they're like, and you're like, oh man, didn't this happen? They're like, oh yeah, I, I, well I did this too, and it, it's just a little bit better. So yeah, you ever met that guy? Anybody ever have an interaction with that guy? If you haven't, then I I've got news for you. you you're that guy. <laughs> you're that guy. Izzy Mandelbaum, he always tries to outdo Jerry. He's like, oh, I can lift this, and he'll try to lift it, and he always throws out his back, and then his son does it, and then his father. It's just this crazy story. In the end, they start saying, Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum. It's funny, okay? You got to check it out. It's the story of saying it's one up, and it's, it's go time. It's go time. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this message, and I thought about a moment in my life where that happened. I was 18 and went on a missions trip to India, and uh, it was, I mean, it was just a big, big deal. I mean, India is halfway around the world, and we're going with this, my youth group. It was just, it was really, really exciting. So we're there, and we've spent like a whole week there. I think we might have been there for 10 days. And so it's at the end of this trip, and we're getting ready to have like uh, our last time together before we have the free day. If you've never been on a missions trip, they always throw a free day in there, okay? This is kind of what we do on missions trip. It's at the end. You get to go shopping. You go to the beach. You get to hang out. It's kind of a good time. So you're always looking forward to the free day. It's kind of a reward, you know, for grinding through on the missions trip. And so we have this dinner, and this is big dinner, it's great dinner, great Indian food. Indian food is some of, the, I think, the best food on the planet. Can I get an amen, anybody? It's so, so good, so spicy. Love the naan, garlic naan bread. It's just the best tomato soup, so good. So we're eating great the whole week. But then we get to this dinner, and this dinner has this biscuit that's a part of the dinner. And... I don't know what was in the biscuit. All I know is that when everybody like went to smell it, it smelled like Play-Doh. You know what I'm talking about? Like Play-Doh, like it's not the, the greatest smell. And if you ever tasted Play-Doh, it's also not the greatest taste. Well, this kind of tasted, it smelled like Play-Doh, and it smelled like spoiled Play-Doh. I'm mean, sorry, it tasted like spoiled Play-Doh. So when you took a bite of it, you're like, oh, nobody was eating this biscuit. So I was like, something was wrong with the biscuit. Like I think something fell in while they were mixing the biscuit, Rat poison or something. So anyways, really, truly. And so uh, everyone was like, no, I don't want that. And there was this guy, he was like one of the leaders, and I don't know why he singled me out, but I was like, oh, maybe probably because I was talking. I had a mouth back then. And so I was like, oh, this biscuit's terrible. I was probably doing something like that. He's like, come on, Scott, what's wrong with you? This guy was 265 pounds, 6'2", big guy. He was a leader. And I was not that. I was 135 pounds, maybe, okay, as an 18-year-old. And so 
he's like, come on, Scott, what's wrong with you? You need to eat whatever's put in front of you. Come on, man up. It's go time. And again, stupidity, man. It's just something about guys. You say it's go time. I'm like, all right, let's do this. And so we start eating this biscuit, bite after bite after bite. And literally, I, it takes me two liters of water just to get this down. And I mean, it was just that gross, and I don't know what was in it. So we get it down, we go to bed, and I get violently sick, like violently. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I was like violently sick, and I've never been this sick in my life before. I've never been this sick in my life since. It's the kind of sickness when you're on, you're on the toilet, and you've got a bucket in front of you. I'm trying not to be gross for church. Simultaneous. Simultaneous. Never had that happen. If you've never had that happen, it is not fun, okay? It is not a fun experience. And here I am, and it's all because someone said it's go time. And I ended up missing out on the fun day. Everybody say, aw. I, had, I was sick the whole next day. It was literally green, all because someone said it's go time. Well, here's the thing. When Jesus says it's go time, it's not to make us sick. It's actually to heal the sick. When Jesus says it's go time, it's, it's not to put us down. It's actually to raise us up and send us out. When Jesus says it's go time, it means it's time to change the world for the better. It actually means less stupidity and more wisdom. And that's a little plug for our series we're starting next week on wisdom, okay? So be wise. Come check it out. It's going to be awesome. We're talking about wisdom. It's going to be transformational. But that's what God wants to do. He wants to send us out. That's what Jesus wants to do. Let me show you John chapter 20 and verse 21. Jesus said, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And this is after the resurrection. This is after he's already raised. And he says this, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I'm sending you. Now, what we know about Jesus is he said of his own mission, he said, I've come into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So as Jesus was sent to save the world, now what God is doing for all of his disciples, all of his followers, is he is sending them into the world. He is sending us into the world to save it. It's the greatest mission on planet Earth, to save the world. That's what God's asking. He's changing it from just follow me now to partner with me, if you will. That's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I want you to follow me. Now I want you to partner with me, and I want you to go and lead and change the world. Matthew chapter 28, Great Commission, also summarizes this. Uh, Jesus says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority. All the authority of heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, I'm giving it I'm going to give it to you. Watch this in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. He says, therefore, go. He says, you've been following. You've been experiencing. You've seen stuff that nobody has ever seen before in the history of the world. You've seen people healed. You've seen demons cast out. You've seen people raised from the dead. You've seen it. You've experienced it. Now, I want you to go. Everybody say, it's go time. It's go time and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father. Sorry, I didn't even say that. I just, <laughs> I don't know what came over me. It sounded like tongues. It wasn't. Uh, baptizing them 
in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He says, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out with authority. I'm sending you out to make disciples. I'm sending you out to change the world. Now, just let me pause for a moment because this is something that Jesus had been doing throughout his ministry. This is not new. He'd been constantly challenging them to be salt, to be light. As he had been ministering with them, it was to bring hope, bring life, bring grace to people. Every person you can in every way that you can, this is always the heart of God. And the reason Jesus is sending us out is to push back the darkness and to advance the kingdom of light. Do you know that as we are sent out, that's exactly what we do? We, we, we partner with God in bringing the kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness. That's, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to get. And you see the book of Acts, the disciples, they do this. This is exactly what they do. They partner with God. They see signs and wonders and miracles and, and, and all kinds of transformational uh, moments happening in people's lives. And it all started at this very pivotal moment in Acts chapter 2 when all of them had been getting together as Jesus had told them to, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows up and then everything changes. And they literally change the world. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at Acts chapter 2 it's a long chapter, but I'd like to look at just a couple of different uh, portions of it and see, see what our church is supposed to look like. See what you and I are supposed to do and how you and I are now being sent out to change the world because, in fact, it is go time. All right, Acts chapter 2, if you're ready, jump in, say I am. All right, track with me, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Let me pause, put a pin in that just for a second. Why are they all in one place? Because Jesus had told them to go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So they're praying, they're fasting, and they're waiting for, uh, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. It's going to be perfect with what's happening right now. Look at this. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And what we also find out, there's people from all over the world here. People from all over the world have come to celebrate this, this festival called Pentecost. So they're all there, they're all going to the temple, and they're all worshiping. The Spirit shows up for these disciples they start speaking in tongues, and then some people are like, that's weird. That's really weird. They must have had too much wine to drink. And Peter gets up and says, no, actually not, and he starts telling them about Jesus. He starts pointing them to the hope that all of us have. The message, life, the world, our existence is all about Jesus. And he goes through, and I encourage you to read this chapter when you get a chance this week. Goes through the great, one of the greatest sermons to ever be preached, in my opinion, Acts chapter 2. In verse 36, he says this, let, 
Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. It struck them right there. Have you ever had a moment like that? You ever had a moment where God just speaks something to you, and you're like, ah, oh, that's, that's right here. That's what happened at the beginning. Cut to the heart, and Peter And he said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children of all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from the corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Everybody say, wow pretty amazing, right? He preaches. He says it's all about Jesus. He says this gift of the Holy Spirit that you're seeing on evidence right now, it's for everybody. It's for those who are far away. And then the church starts. Look at this in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with all. Everybody say all. At the many wonders and signs perform, perform, performed, performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to, together, to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved powerful passage of scripture. I read all of it because I wanted to show you the breadth and the context of how this early church is getting started. And now what I want to do is I want to walk away with some implications for you and me. Because this is where the follower culminates. Where the follower of Jesus now becomes a follower of the Holy Spirit. The person who God is doing a work in is a person who is full of the Holy Spirit and seeing God move in their life in a powerful way, all right? And I want to show you what all of this ultimately culminates in. It culminates in us reaching out, changing the world, being the church, and being fueled with the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? So let me give you three thoughts. You can write these down, and then we'll unpack them. First of all, a follower reaches out, a follower is committed to relationship, and a follower is powered by God's Spirit, all right? Powered by God's Spirit. Reaches out, committed to relationship, and is powered by God's Spirit. All right? Before we get started, find 65 people next to you and say, it's go time. Find 65 people. Come on, just find 65 people and say, it's go time. All right. Number one, a follower reaches out. A follower reaches out. Look at verse 39. It says, the promise is for you, your children. And for all who, far, who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. We love the part, the first part of that. This promise is for you. It's for your children. Yeah, we're like, yes, Lord, I want all that you have. I want your goodness. I want your grace. I want all the favor that you have. And then he says, it's for everybody who's far away too. We're like, wait Does that mean I have to do something about it? And Jesus is like, yes, everybody. That's who the promise is for. And 
Let me just say this. When Jesus does a work in us, it is always ultimately to do a work through us. There's like three people who got blessed here at North Campus. <laughs> when Jesus does a work in us, it is ultimately to do a work through us. It is. That's where it gets realized. And, you know, this has always been the heart of God. This has always been God's heart. When you read the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament even, because you're like, Old Testament, that's like angry God, right? Like he's just kind of mad at everybody. Like, actually, his heart has always been to be in relationship and always to bring relationship through those who are in relationship with him to those who do not have a relationship. When he calls Abraham in Genesis, he says, Abraham, I want to make you great. And Abraham sounds, Abraham says, that sounds like a good idea. And, and God says, Abraham, I want to do something amazing in your life. I want to lift you up. And Abraham's like, okay, I like that. And then he says, and you will be a blessing. He says, I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing. So right as he's giving a blessing to Abraham, he is promising a blessing through Abraham. Do you see that? If you fast forward to Exodus with Moses. He calls Moses the burning bush. You guys remember Moses, burning bush? He's like, hey, speaking through the bush. Moses comes forward, takes off his shoes because it's holy ground, and God starts speaking to him. And he's like, Moses, I'm going to show you God. I'm going to give you an amazing experience with the one who spoke all of this into existence. And Moses is like, sounds pretty good. And then he's like, now go to Pharaoh and set my people free. See how that works? I'm going to let you get close. And then you're going to go. Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah chapter 6. God's like, come on in, Isaiah. I'm going to give you a revelation. I'm going to show you things you've never seen before. I'm going to give you a revelation of who God is. And Isaiah's like, wow, I'm unclean. I don't even belong here. And then God's like, who will go for me and share this with everybody else? And Isaiah's like, I guess it's, here am I. Send me. Every time God does something in us, it is to ultimately do something through us. Can I get an amen? This is the heart of God. This is beautiful. Let me just tell you, this is where life comes online for us. This is where life comes online. Every Christian is on a mission from God. Every Christian. If you're a follower of God, if God's do, and it doesn't have, you don't have to go through graduate school. You don't have to have a degree in seminary to be on a mission. All you have to do is say yes and start moving in his direction. And once you start doing that, he starts changing you. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he wants to empower you to bring other people along. This is what we're all about as a church. Helping people find and follow Jesus. And let me just say this. If what we believe is true, if there is a God who spoke the world into existence, who sent his son to come and die for the world, if any of that is true, if a fraction of that is true, then there is nothing more important than partnering with God in bringing lost souls home. Amen? That's it. Nothing more important. Not making money, not accumulating wealth, not making a great name for yourself, not even finding happiness and success in this life. There is nothing more important than partnering with God to help other people find and follow Jesus. And what Jesus said, we just saw this, he says, all authority I've, I have, I'm giving it to you. 
So we go out with power, power to save, power to heal, power to deliver, power to cast out demons, to push back the darkness. And we can, we can see what this looks like with Jesus in his, his, he does a little trial run of the Great Commission with 72 disciples in Luke chapter 10. So he kind of does a, like a little bit of training with them. It's like, all right, I'm going to send you guys out. You're going to preach. You're going to change the world. I'm going to see how this goes. And then you report back to me. Luke chapter 10 and uh, verse 17 says this. The 72 return. So they go out, they preach, they change the world with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This is incredible. You sent us out with power. I didn't even realize this. This is amazing. We like this, Jesus. And then Jesus kind of calms them a little bit. And he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And what's he talking about there? In fact, we're actually singing a song right now that that's like the first line of the song. When you ever hear that, you're like, what's that about? Jesus had a front row seat to the original sin. Satan, he was an angel, Lucifer, glorious, a worship leader. But his ego, his ego made him believe that he could be elevated and equated with God. And because he had pride, he got separated from God. And all of that separation brought all kinds of destruction and dysfunction. So Jesus is saying, I saw Satan. I was there. I want you to know I was there. I saw it firsthand. I saw him fall, and I've, I've seen the devastation that that pride and that original sin has brought. It's tearing families apart. It's tearing people apart. It's tearing lives apart. I was there when it all happened, and he's saying this. I have given you authority to do something about it. Like, do not miss the significance of this. He says, I was there when all of this wickedness got started, and now I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. How much power? All. Nothing will harm you. He's saying this. You and I have a power to reach out and push back the darkness. And every time we partner with God in the Great Commission, every time we love somebody, every time we serve somebody, every time we get out of our comfort zone and and go on an outreach, a love your neighbor outreach, and we work with Habitat for Humanity or Mother's Refuge or, or we go on a missions trip, every time we partner with God, We push back the darkness, and God is right there giving us authority to be a light to the world. That's the church. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's what God wants to do in us. Every time we show up, every time you show up here and you smile and you interact and you hold a door or an umbrella for someone as they go to their car, you are literally loving and serving, and the love of God is flowing through you to others. And there is nothing more powerful and nothing more important. And here's the beauty of it. When we do that, there is a byproduct of blessing for our lives as well. Look at what the 72 returned with. Look in Luke chapter 10. The 72 returned with joy. 
the 72 returned with joy. They came back after serving and casting out demons and loving people and healing people and praying for the sick, and they had joy. Do you know there is a byproduct of blessing that comes when we serve God by loving others? Like there is a byproduct of joy that happens. In fact, in John chapter 15, when Jesus is telling us to love one another, he concludes this passage with, with saying this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, let me just ask at both locations, how many of you want your joy to be complete? Just raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, right? He's like, I've told you to love. I've told you to serve. I've told you to partner with me, not to make your life bad, but to make it great, to make it blessed. And here's the reality. You can have all of the money in the world, and if you don't have mission, you don't have joy. You can have all the stuff and all the accolades and all the prestige and all the celebrity, but if you don't have mission, you don't have joy. But here's the beauty of being a Christian. You automatically get a mission. You get the best mission, the most important mission. It's reaching out to those who are far from God and bringing them to life in Christ. And when you partner with God in that mission, things change and the darkness gets pushed back and we become the light and we become the salt that God has intended us to be. Yeah, and it's worth getting excited about. And you get joy. You get joy from it. It's amazing when you think about it. Like, I don't necessarily like cutting my grass, but if you go on a Habitat for Humanity, you know, you, you can get more joy from cutting someone else's grass. That's the beauty of serving somebody else. There's a joy that comes with it. So the follower reaches out. Second, the follower is committed to relationship. So we're reaching out. We're, we're a lighthouse. We are a welcome home map for the prodigals coming home. And then once they get here, we are in a committed relationship and community. This is the church. Acts chapter 2, all the believers were together. Everybody say together. Come on, everybody say strong together. Everybody say louder than the rain together. There we go. And had everything in common. They were together. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising. They did life group. That's what it's saying. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You look at this early church and you know what you see? They were all in. They were all in. 100% committed. And part of the reason they were all in is because it's the only option they had. You know, how many know, like, sometimes, like, if you go through a small town and all they have, you're really hungry, and all they have is Burger King, you may not be a fan, but you're going to be eating at Burger King. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the way it goes. Like, well, I guess we're eating Burger King today. That's how it was in the early church. So they're all in. You know what? There was no plan B. So because there was no plan B, they were all in. Because they were all in, they were successful at what they did. They said, this is our team. This is our pastor. This is our church. Let's go. It's go time. You know, honestly, sometimes for us today, 
church is, we've got so many options. We, got, we have so many options. It's kind of like, it's kind of like ordering at Burger King, right? You get to Burger King, it's your way right away. Does anybody not know that phrase? Your way right away. Did that do that anymore? I don't know. All right, it's like, that's what Burger King is today. You know, it's like, you're like, ah, oh, and that's a great thing about Burger King. You can kind of mix it up, you know? Like McDonald's, they kind of get bent out of shape when you mix it up. But Burger King, they're like, yeah, your way right away. Okay, I don't know. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm missing it. Um, but you know, that's how we do with church, isn't it? Be like, okay, yeah, um, I'll have uh, a little bit of upbeat worship with uh, some Bible and a heartfelt closing prayer um, and maybe throwing aside a life group occasionally. Uh, oh, wait, on that worship, if we could go ahead and make sure that's upbeat, not too upbeat because I don't want it charismatic because those people are crazy. And uh, if we could on the, on the message, I like it to be really deep, really like I want some meat on there. I also want it to be funny, and I also don't want it to be too deep because then I might have to do something with it. And if I don't find a church that I like... I'll check out 65 other ones in the next two years. And guess what happens? Not much. <laughs> Not much change happens there. Not much ground gets taken there. Not much darkness gets pushed back there. Because there's no commitment. So the church never gets a chance to be the church. See, they cared for each other. They served each other because they knew each other. There was no plan B. There was something powerful about that. There's something great about that. They were, they were family, and they were in a committed relationship. They were committed to it, and that's why they, can, they were able to fulfill Galatians chapter 2, which says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You fulfill the law of Christ, which means they were in relationship with each other enough to know each other, enough to care about each other. This is what's amazing about relationship and what God wants to do. They were, they were in group. We talked about that. They ate and they shared and they got together daily in each other's homes. They prayed for each other. They were in life group and they stayed in life group. How many know life group has phases? Like there's, the, like, there's the awkward phase at the beginning where you're like, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. We're going to show up. Are we too early? Let's drive around the block one more time. Okay. All right. Here we go. And now we're here. All right. Okay. Okay. How do I look? Okay. You're walking in. I brought the food. I hope it's not overcooked. Uh, you know, just all of that, all of that. And then you're like, oh, that wasn't too bad. I actually kind of liked it. Let's go back. And then you show up again, and then it gets sweet. Then you're like, oh, we're liking each other. We're praying for each other. Oh, man, we're helping each other out. And then it goes to another phase, which is like, eh, I'm kind of bored with that. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's just I've been there. We've been going, and it's kind of like it's not as fun, you know. It's kind of like it's kind of lost a little bit of the fun. It's kind of like just, I don't know, like a committed relationship now. And if you've ever been in a committed relationship, you know that it's just boring. <laughs> it's not much fun. I mean, it's just, you, you, you just know. You, I mean, you know what to expect. You know what they're going to say. You know how to respond. And so what ends up happening a lot of times is we, we, life group is a party when it starts, and it should be, but what it's meant to be is a community. Church is supposed to be a community. That means sometimes you're going to look forward to it, and sometimes you're going to be like, eh, I'm good. 
and, and showing up when you'd rather say, I'm good, that's when it becomes real. And that's when we start serving each other. That's when we start caring for each other. We get past ourselves and past our to-do list and past our, our Netflix watch lists and past all of the things we say, I'm going to care for you as God has cared for me. That's what the church is supposed to be like. And when we do that, it is powerful. Look at the early church. They preach, they encourage, they sacrifice, they fight for unity. They shared everything. They were gracious and patient and kind. And they forgive each other. You know, what's interesting about the disciples, there's no indication that they actually liked each other. In fact, we see they got a lot of problems. In fact, they'll have open arguments it's recorded. Paul and Peter, man, they're going back and forth on a couple of things. They're like, no, 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 I think Jesus wanted this. And no, Peter's like, no, 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 I think Jesus wanted this. And they had disagreements. There's no indication that they liked each other. But you know what they did? They loved Jesus. And their love for Jesus overcame their dislike of each other. Come on, somebody. That's what we need. That's the church. Man, that sounds crazy, Scott. That sound, I mean, it sounds like pie in the sky, but that sounds impossible. It is impossible. This type, what God is calling us to is impossible in the flesh. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And that's the last thing. A follower is led or powered by God's Spirit. What does it say in verse 4? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing. They had so much of God that he was overflowing. Everywhere they went, God was just flowing through them. They were selfless because they were spirit-full. Come on, somebody. Like, I worked hard on that. I, I, I was pretty excited about that one. And let me just say this. This is what Christianity is. It's not as much about emptying yourself of yourself. Surely is, is denying yourself. But it's not about you being like, oh, I just need to get rid of me. No, no, I just need. No. God made you in his image. You know what he wants to do? He wants to redeem you and fill you with his spirit so that you are overflowing with the goodness and the grace of God and so that you are a beacon of light and hope to everyone that you come in contact with. Selfless and spirit-full. Now, as soon as I start talking about the spirit, I know some of you start getting a little worried because you're like, I knew this church was charismatic and it's about to get weird, honey. Grab your purse. Next time they read a scripture, we'll, we'll, hit, we'll, we'll get out of here. You know, and I, I know that's kind of the temp temptation. Let me just, let me just ease you because like, I, I know that sometimes we're like, okay, God the creator, surely someone's got to be the CEO around here. That's him. He speaks the world into existence. But he seems kind of angry, so then he provides Jesus, who takes all that anger for us. He's kind of like us. He's our brother. He's got our back. Spirit sounds spooky, especially in the like, King James Version. It's the Holy Ghost. It's like, ooh. It's like Scooby-Doo, you know? It's like the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's wonderful. He's not someone to be afraid of. He's someone to invite into your heart because as you become a follower of Christ, the Spirit is the one who is helping that. The Spirit of God is the agent of God that brings God's presence 
and accomplishes God's plan. It's the, it's the agent. And Jesus himself said, I've got to go away so that I can send the Spirit. For some reason, Jesus couldn't be here and the Spirit all at work at the same time. I don't know why it was God, overflow, God overload. I'm not sure. But he said, I've got to go away so that the Spirit can come. And he goes away and the Spirit is able to be everywhere at the same time. And how I view it, how I picture it, how I read it, is that the Spirit, is, he's constantly working. He's constantly moving to bring about God's plan and God's goodness and God's grace. And he's looking to, for someone who's open to the Spirit of God to partner with and to use to bring goodness and grace and blessing and hope and life to people who need it. And every time, every time we stop and recognize that this whole thing is way more than just this thing, that there is a God who is at work, who loves people, who wants to redeem people. And every time we partner with him and say, Spirit, have your way, he flows through us. And he helps us to love people who are unlovable. He helps us to show up to life group when we'd rather just mail it in. He helps us to go on that outreach, to serve, to give, to lay our life down so that other people can find and follow Jesus. The Spirit of God is the one who helps us do this. So here's what I don't want you doing with this message. I don't want you trying to be a better Christian. The world is full of enough people who are trying to be something that they're not. I just want you to be a Christian. And the way you become a Christian is the Spirit. The way that you are full as a follower is the Spirit by letting the Spirit do what you cannot do on your own. And it's inviting Him in. So let me give you three thoughts on how to do this real quick. Number one, you ask for the Spirit's help. Ask for the Spirit's help. This doesn't have to be weird. You're just like, God, right now, I don't want to go to work. God, right now, I don't want to love my spouse. God, right now, I'm, uh, I, I want to divorce my kids. I know I can't do that technically, but Lord, that's what I want to do. And you ask for the Spirit's help. You say, God, help me with my kids. Help me with my relationships. Help me with my work. Help me with my boss. Help me with my coworkers. Spirit, I need your help. Come and give me wisdom and give me grace and truth and life and help me to be who you want me to be in the situation. You ask for the Spirit's help and he will help you. And then second, wait for the Spirit's witness. Too many times we rush in with what we think we should do. How many know it goes bad for us? What we need to do is ask for the Spirit's help and then wait. If you don't have the wisdom yet, wait. If you don't have the peace yet, wait. If you don't have the word yet, wait. And let God speak to you. And then I'm working your life. And then when he does speak, follow the Spirit's lead. Follow the Spirit's lead. That's what we need to do. We need to follow the Spirit's lead. God wants to do amazing things in our hearts and in our lives, and we need to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And when we do, it's like, it's like turbo. It's like turbo. You know, recently, not re I mean, they've been having turbo engines for a while, but recently they've really started getting good at it. And turbo engines basically are able to take what the, what the the intake, and they're able to multiply the intake. So they're able to do more with less. Able to do more with less. So now you're getting like Mustangs, 
like that are four-cylinder Mustangs, which was growing up in my day, like, that was a joke, right? That was a joke. Four-cylinder Mustang? No. You want that V8, 5.0, with your rag top down so your hair can blow. Four-cylinder Mustangs that have 300 horsepower. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. It's doing more with less. Do you know that the, the phrase Holy Spirit, that the word ruach for spirit is air in motion? It's air in motion. So it's almost like, it's like God's, God's moving and, and he's doing more with less. He's doing more with less. It's turbo. The Holy Spirit is turbo for our lives. And when he shows up, he empowers us to do what we could not do on our own. You know what it looks like? It results in life change. Lives being changed. We, when this is what we're doing as a church all the time. We want to partner with people to change people's lives. And we did this last week. I just highlight this uh, as a testimony. We, we're involved in taking Mother's Day dinners to, uh, to people, all, single moms, as many as we could, all across the, all across the, uh, the area. As many single moms as we, as we could, we try to take some, some dinners just to say we love you, and we're praying for you, and we're with you. And it's just so cool to see the results. I want to show you. We got this result that came in, a little testimony. It was actually it was a post that they made on social. And um, the mom writes this. I feel like crying right now. God has been so good to me. Not only have I been able to connect with wonderful people who are on a difficult journey toward Christ. That's the church. But also, these just got delivered from my Mother's Day meal, courtesy of Summit Park. Did I mention I am genuinely at my happy place? If you know, you know. I loved that. I loved that. Because how many know that mom got a lot of joy from what, from what was brought to her? It was, a, it was a way of saying God loves you, God's with you. We see you, we're for you. In that simple act, there was joy. But how many of you know the people who brought that dinner, as they delivered it, they walked away, they felt pretty joyful themselves. Do you see, this is where the Spirit wants to lead us. This is where God wants, this is, this is the goal. Reaching out, being committed to each other, not letting the devil tear us apart. And the only way we can do both of those things is being powered by the Holy Spirit. Day in, day out, week in, week out, saying, Spirit, lead me. I cannot do this on my own. I continue to stumble, I, can, I continue to fail, but Spirit, if you just help me, I will do what you want me to do, and I will honor, I will bring glory to God, and I will push back the darkness in Jesus' name. Amen? We stand with me, church, both locations. I just want to take a moment, and I want us just to say, God, have your way. Have your way in our hearts. Would you lift your hands, lift your heart, both locations. Let's just take a moment, and let's just say, Father, we want you to have your way. We want, to be, we want to be the agents. We want you to empower us so we can be your hands and feet extended. Lord, that we, can, that we can bring life and hope and grace to a lost and hurting world. That we can fulfill this great commission. That we can push back the darkness. That we can shine a light. That we can experience that turbo effect in our lives. That air in motion. Empowering us.
Holy Spirit, we pray that your will would be done in our hearts. Lead us. We ask for your help. And we wait for your witness. And we commit to following your lead. Help us to be different, Lord. Help us to be full of you. Help us to change this world for your glory. In Jesus' name, let's worship.